Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment, visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where you will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, let's get rolling with today's episode. This is about how to create your own luck in business through strategic relationship building. Now, I hear the word relationship thrown around a lot, uh, not just in the dating area where there seem to be a thousand definitions of the word relationship. I see it in sales and marketing, too. Build a relationship through your emails. Build a relationship through your social media. Build a relationship with your JV partners. Build a relationship through consulting. Build a relationship through podcast hosting, which I do. Uh, So many definitions. And what we're going to be diving into, at least partially, is how to properly define the word relationship in a strategic way so that it truly benefits your business and your brand. And I've got to tell you, we have got a catch for you, for your guest today. His name is Larry Perkins. He's the author of an awesome book called Don't Be a Stranger. And you can find that at don'tbeastrangerbook.com. Larry Perkins founded what is now Sierra Constellation Partners at age 29 with few connections and very little capital. Sound familiar, 95% of our listeners? Larry grew SPC into a nationwide management consulting group serving nearly 100 large companies in their times of most dire need. Have we not all been there at least once? Today, Larry is a recognized industry leader who's spoken at major industry conferences and has been cited by the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, CNN, CNBC, and the Washington Post. Outside of work, Larry has built a remarkable life with his wife and daughter that includes interests ranging from reading and writing, singing and dancing, to cooking and running. And as far as reading, Larry and I were just chatting in the green room a few moments ago about how uh, you know we like to read books. We love reading. I myself, I don't usually you know veg out on netflix unless you know once in a while i just need a good uh, documentary to watch or something like that i'll sit down on my balcony with my uh with my chromebook and i will read at least one book on kindle every single day i love reading so larry perkins come on in the weather's fine thanks for thanks for having me really looking forward to being here big fan in your official bio uh, you stated some things that are pretty impressive, so much so that I'm not even sure I'm worthy to be in this conversation and it's my show. So what we want to do before we dive into the strategic relationship building approach is let's get to know a little bit more about Larry the man. You gave us some indicators of what your progress has been, but tell us a bit about your journey in your own words and some of the personal aspects of it. Of What's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion, making a difference for your community market and audience? Sure. Uh, Tough question, but I'll I'll give it a shot. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, the business that I picked is ultimately what I call the helpfulness business. I mean, when I ultimately started it or at the beginning, you know, the, the only real thing I was trying to do is help other businesses and, and find a way to do that. And there's lots of ways that that can take shape. As it's evolved, it's gotten a little bit more refined, and we work with businesses in, in their you know, toughest times. 
But you know, at the end of it, what I realize about it is I, I really identify more as an entrepreneur than anything else and helping those businesses. My entrepreneurial journey is helping other people do that. So I guess that's where I would start is, is I've just kind of found a way to do what I like doing and started a business around that. And ultimately, another thing I identified along the way is uh, I, I joke about it, uh, even though this isn't video and you wouldn't expect it, but you know, there's a little bit of a, a cage bird that doesn't sing type of aspect about me. And I think that's what probably prompted the business creation side of my personality. Right, right. Absolutely. So I can tell you're a man that loves uh that loves to bring things to a point. You have a unique ability that I'm already sensing just in these first few minutes of covering a lot of ground in a short amount of time. So I do encourage our listeners, make sure you're subscribed so you get this into your aggregation reader. Go back and listen to this one a couple times. I predict lots of aha moments. Have a pad of paper, two pens in front of you in case one breaks so you don't miss anything Larry's about to give you. So you gave us a series of uh, conversation points and we're actually probably going to go through those largely in order because I can tell um, this is going to be more of a structured conversation and that's for our listeners to to anticipate. So we'll get through those. Any segues that come up and uh, we may have a couple uh, listener questions that get uh, chatted into us. I know that at least one person who heard you were going to be on the show uh, wanted me to run something by you so if we have time we'll get to that but let's dive in uh i introduced this episode by saying that we were going to be looking at defining terms so let's start broad and then we'll narrow it in sort of like uh, working our way up a triangle larry how is your approach of this strategic <laughs> excuse me strategic relationship building different from traditional marketing yeah i think the, the basis of what i'm trying to do is, is something i call uh strategic serendipity and what I mean by that is what my approach is really about is trying to put yourself in the right place at the right time, but doing it strategically. And I think what, what I try and get out of that is on balance, if there's other people that do what you do, you have an edge because someone thinks of you more fondly than maybe somebody else that can provide the way you're providing. Yeah. Okay. So that's a, you know, so that's a great foundation right there. And let's take that one step further and let's really define what do we mean by strategic relationship building? And once you define that term the way you do it, if you could expand that a little bit further into looking at how the idea of relationships, that, that term tends to get bastardized when we look at marketing. Sure. What I mean by strategic relationship building is effectively putting some intention around how you're reaching out to people and who you're reaching out to and who you're staying in touch with. I think there's this misconception, and I think it's a dirty word in some ways, of, of talking about networking. And I think networking is something that most people don't like, uh, including me. Uh, but what I, what I do like is I like staying in touch with my friends and staying in touch with people that I enjoy or buddies or other people along the way. And I think what I find is a lot of people let those relationships fall by the wayside and then they're kind of stuck in this networking type of mindset. So what I like to do in strategic relationship building is really just cultivating and staying in touch with the people that you already know and then letting things grow organically. But the strategic part about it is just thinking about it, just not letting it happen, but thinking about it along the way. Okay. Uh, what, I, what came to mind as you were explaining that is when we think of marketing and say, for example, networking is 
oh, I got to drag myself to another function where I have to have the same stupid conversation with 50 people, 49 of whom don't even care, so that I can find that one person, hopefully before my introvert energy just totally taps out of me and I got to get the hell out of there. Uh, I hope I have enough business cards so I can hand them out to people <laughs> who will throw them away. Uh, you, can, you can sense that I'm expressing on behalf of myself and many of our listeners that we don't want to do these networking things. And, you know, ever since the bug hit us, uh, we're now seeing a lot of these Zoom networking things. There are a couple that recur every week that I belong to that I think are great. Um, and I think what makes them great is they're really just conversational and fun. And there's really not a whole lot of that. Well, tell us, what do you do? And, and then what audiences do you serve? And things like that. For goodness gracious, man. Uh, so awkward, right? I mean, yeah. I, I, I talk about it in the book, but I mean, I think probably the whole reason this all started was one of these, you know, terrible cocktail parties. I remember going to this thing and they had, you know, I do, I do terrible food, bad drinks. Yeah, I remember it was literally, I didn't even have business cards printed yet. I think it was the second day I was theoretically in business. Yeah. And I went to this thing and, and it was, I was, <laughs> I was so scared that, oh my God, is this my next, you know, years of my life as an entrepreneur is this what I'm stuck to doing but I remember uh there there was one person I met at that and I can track almost directly the sale of my first business that you know really catapulted my career in a lot of different ways back to that first terrible cocktail party and I think it's it's again it's not going to those things all the time but making the most of it and being intentional about the ones that you do go to and staying in touch with the people you like so no I, I can I absolutely hear what you're talking about it's Adam, I, I, uh, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't have business cards. I've, uh, except for like two brief instances where I actually brought them because I had an exhibit table and I wanted yeah. people to just pick, be able to pick them up and walk away with them if they chose to do so. Boy, that got on a lot of marketing lists. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, I've, I found, and let me run this by you, and maybe this could be a jumping off point for where some of your concepts come into play. One of the things that I dread about going to networking events, the cocktail party before the event, and I'm going to come out and say this, and there are people in my Rotary chapter who follow the Business Creators Radio Show. I can't stand to go to the Rotary meetings and have the person sit next to me squint at my name tag and say, uh, so, uh, Adam, uh, what kind of speaking and authoring do you do? Sure. My goodness, freaking gracious. Um, my original Rotary badge, and I mentioned this on several previous episodes of the show, listed consulting. So the question was, uh, what kind of consulting do you do? Now, in my mind, 95% of the time, those conversations are useless. And let's go back to the avatar of organizations like Rotaries, Kiwanis Clubs, Chambers of Commerce, and things like that. Uh, it's not an absolute role, but a lot of these organizations, and they're great organizations, they do awesome things for humanity. One of the reasons that I passionately love Rotary is because it does so much charitable work throughout the world, and it's a great thing to be involved in. But um, you look at the avatar of these organizations, these are people who are bankers, realtors, uh, they may own a bricks and mortar business, it tends to be kind of a small business, uh, and or they're somebody who actually works in a corporate role who uh, takes networking very seriously. For those people, the type of consulting I do matters about as much as, uh, as uh, importing water to the middle of the Pacific Ocean. 
So why do I even want to have that conversation? So let me reel this in. So when people ask me, what do I do? I have a game with myself to see how long I can go with not actually answering that question. And I turn the conversation immediately back on end. I don't even say something like, well, we'll get to that, but let's focus on you. I just, I just, my follow-up is immediately to shift the conversation back to them. Because candidly, I know what kind of consulting I do. I know what my book's about. I know what kind of speaking I do. It doesn't matter until I know where the other person's brilliance and passion lay, what difference they make for their community market and audience, and the gap between their goals in these areas and where they are right now. Uh, I get them to tell me that. Then I can tell them how my consulting, my speaking, my authoring are relevant to them. That's just my thought. I want to get yours. No, I think it's spot on. I mean, I think I mean, it goes back to the, you know, the, the basics, kind of the legends in the coaching industry. You look at Dale Carnegie and Covey and all those kind of folks. I mean, I think if you're, if people are talking about themselves, you know, they're in pretty good shape um, or you're in pretty good shape as a salesperson, kind of talking, yeah. getting them talking. So I take the exact same tack, <clears throat> but it's also one of those things that I derive a lot of energy out of hearing what someone's passionate about. I mean, if you're at that same rotary function and goodness knows I've been at a lot of those, you know, you can tell when someone's heart is in the game and you can tell when someone's kind of mailing it in. Uh, and when you find someone to talk to, you know, a, Something that's, that's germane to me, and I'd be curious, Adam, to get your perspective, is I, I give everyone just as much time, though. You know, if it's a dentist or it's an insurance broker or whoever it may be, you know, it could be that they're, you know, the brother is the king of Spain. It could be that their cousin is, you know, the perfect person at the perfect place to need my services. So I, I really try not to dismiss anybody out of, out of hand. And no, no, it, no, me neither. Yeah, absolutely. Because you never know where it's going to come from. But yeah, at the same time, if you're pitching too hard, I think it's just terribly off-putting. I mean, how many times have you been in this room and the insurance guy is sticking the card in his face and asking for a follow-up call? I just want to run away at that point. And I just think of the same thing, you know, golden rule and whatnot. I don't want to be that guy, right? Yeah. I'm interested in what he's doing. I get him talking. You know, it's a pleasant surprise if something really good business-wise comes out of it. But, you know, if you think about every person having a couple hundred people that they're in touch with, one of the 200 people they're in touch with is going to need my services at one point. So I just want to make sure I'm in the right place when that one of those 200 people needs what I'm doing or what you're doing for that matter. You know, I think that's what I'm trying to do. Right. So going back to my rotary badge, which I said I mentioned in episodes before, after about a year belonging to the local chapter, I had the badge change and I had to pay $17 to have it reprinted, but I view it as money well spent. Instead of saying consulting, I had to say author slash speaker. So when they lean in, they squint and they say, oh, okay, uh, uh, Alan, oh, I mean, Adam, uh, what? You're an author? What have you written? Yeah. Okay. Well, I love to tell people about Groundhog Day as an event, not a business strategy at www.thegroundhog.book, available on Amazon as a paperback or Kindle that explains the spring formula that helps you achieve maximum results through minimalism. Notice how that just rolled so right <laughs> off. Exactly. Now I, now, I, now, I sometimes take it slower, but I just use that to illustrate that when it comes to things like elevator pitches, I adjusted that conversation a little bit to make it something that's comfortable for me. I, a lot of people don't like talking about themselves, even though we know that if you don't speak about yourself, nobody's going to speak about you. And that's what I tell my coaching clients and I stand by it, but it's a matter of how you do it. So it's different to me. If you're having a conversation about something you're passionate about, and I love my book. 
So I, I could I could talk about my book all day long. That thing was, uh, I mean, that has some of my best stuff in it. It's got some of my awesome stories. Oh, man, I, 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 I have my own book on my own reading rotation just because I love it so much. Yeah, uh, I, I am happy to have a conversation about my book. And, uh, and if somewhere in the conversation about the book and the spring formula catches their eye or catches their attention, now it's more relevant to link that back to the consulting I do. Absolutely. No, I, th I think it's finding that connection point and then figuring out how to do with that what you will, right? If, if you have something that you can do from a business standpoint or otherwise, just something that's interesting about that person to stay in touch with them, you, you, you've got something tangible to hold on to if you want to stay in touch with that person. Yeah, absolutely. I am with you a thousand percent. And you know what I also like to tell people is if they get interested in my book, I say, yeah, go to www.thegroundhogbook.com. That domain goes to a landing page. It has a button on it uh, that links to the Amazon listing for the book. I'm probably going to beef that up at some point. So if somebody's listening to this three months down the road, they may find that they actually have the opportunity to buy the book directly from me because I'm thinking about selling it out of my office as another option. What I tell people all the time is www.thegroundhogbook.com. Just go ahead and uh, pull it up, uh, add it to your Kindle Unlimited right now so you have it. And if you want a paperback copy, bring it to me and I'll autograph it. There you go. Something funny about being a published author, and I've had so many published authors tell me this, the first time somebody asked them for an autograph. What, oh. was, that, what was that like for you? Oh, yeah, it was so awkward, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, I uh, you, you know that song, the, the Royal song that came out a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's apparently about this picture of George Brett giving an autograph, like in 1983 when they were in the World Series. I always thought it was about the Queen, but it's not. But I, I, I think of George Brett, and I think of me, George Brett, you know, great baseball player back in the day. Um, and yeah. I, I think of that, and I'm like, I'm not George Brett. Why am I signing this? But then, and now I, I don't know about you, I use it as an opportunity, especially if it's a buddy. It's, you know, it's kind of like, may all your hopes and dreams come true type of thing. And you use it as an opportunity just to kind of get a little bit of a joke in at the same time and, and not take yourself too seriously. But yeah, I first time someone asked me for it, I just, I, I felt like I had my tail between my legs. <laughs> uh, me, me, I was uh, me. I learned about autographing, and um, you know, I, I had a, I had a friend, uh, you know, God rest his soul, who was a top forty uh, recording musician, and after his shows, he would uh, autograph CDs and things like that. And uh, one time, I came to him with a stack of twenty four of his CDs to autograph for friends, and they were also going to be client gifts. And I had him write a custom message on each one of them. And he did it. But then he told me that if I ever tried to pull something like that on him again, he would whip my ass. <laughs> yeah, it's no joke. I, I had to. So, I so to, yeah, so I saw. So, so the thing is, is I, I thought he was just joking with me. So at his next show, I brought 10 more CDs because I had 10 more people I was going to gift them to. And I said, OK, so you're going to make this one out to Larry. And he said, what did I say about kicking your ass next time you tried that with me? <laughs> and the reason being is your hand gets tired. Oh, yeah. That, I asked him about that. He said, simply, I have, I have 150 people that come to the uh, VIP line, and each one of them wants me to autograph three CDs. My hand gets cramped up, and then, okay. I, and, 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 and then it hurts, and I have to put it in ice. And I tell you, after I did my first book signing, I learned pretty quickly, ease off on the, the, the bespoke messages. All the best. 
does the job. <laughs> yeah, I think you're here to that. Yeah, I had to sign 40 the other day, and I would say my hand was quite sore, and that's not even 150. So, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, but for as much as you and I are talking about writer's cramp when we're signing our own books, think about the relationship value of being able to hold this up and say, uh, Larry Perkins autographed his book for me. And it actually says, to Adam. Yeah. So he actually wrote it for me. He didn't just like sign a hundred of them, throw them in gift bags. You got it. That's wow. The the yeah. It's funny how that. that funny how that works. And all those CDs I gifted the people, uh, that most of that was like ten years ago, and I still hear from those people. Oh, I love that CD that Benny signed for me. Notice how I said that. Yeah. Them saying he signed it for me, and I listen to it all the time. Whether they do or they don't, the fact is they remember that they got a CD that was signed by a rock star uh, that uh, was addressed to them by name. Yeah, amazing, huh? All the, all, the, all the cute messages I had him write in the middle probably didn't even really matter. He probably just could have, like, drawn a heart, and that would have done the job. Yeah, live and learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, what I wanted to bring, the reason I brought that up is because I wanted to point out that when you have a personal connection, in my experience, that it actually helps you sidestep a lot of the formalities. No, I, I think I think you get to skip to the front of the line is how yeah. I think about it. I mean, if, if, again, on balance, let's say you're selling real estate or you're a real estate entrepreneur and there's five other guys and, and gals in town who are doing the same thing you know, if they have a relationship with you, you're going to get the listing. You know, they're not going to give it to somewhere at random on a bus, bus stop. You know, ultimately everything we all do in some ways, there's someone else in the world doing it. That's another word of saying that it is a commodity, um, you know, uh, not saying it's a bad commodity or, or a not precious commodity, but the, the name of the game is if you can skip the line and be the top of the line and just getting, instead of being, you know, someone else, just uh, like, just like anybody else in, in the whole, uh, industry doing it, I think that's worth its weight in gold. Yeah. So aside from what we've already touched on, I think the next step is, you know, our listeners may have different businesses. They may be different shapes and sizes, modalities, product services, but what are some of the steps that are, or how can our listeners grow their business using your approach to strategic relationship building? Sure. I mean, I think the first, the first thing about it is, you know, what I say is it, there's, there's definitely dozens, if not hundreds, maybe thousands of people in your Rolodex contact book, whatever you want to call it, that you haven't reached out to in a long time. And with very few exceptions, I think most businesses, particularly if you're a founder, an executive, entrepreneur, there's a sales component to it, right? You need other people to help build your business, relationship-based, whatever you want to call it. I happen to yeah. be in a consulting business, but you know, financial services, real estate, coaching, consulting, anything uh, like that is going to need other people to make a referral to get you out there. So the first place I start is, I, I kind of call it the contact book roulette. You know, you just spin the wheel in your contacts. What I mean by that is you go in there and just flick it up as fast as you can, and you'll inevitably land somewhere in the apps, and some name will come up there, and it's probably someone you haven't talked to in a year or two years, and yeah. just pop them out an email. And it doesn't have to be anything exotic. Um, you know, if you, if you miss the first time and it's your, you know, your hairdresser or something like that, it doesn't matter. But just try it again. But the idea is basically you'll, you'll reach out to somebody you haven't spoken to in a long time. And you don't have to say anything profound. It's just, hey, I'm thinking of you. I remember, 
you know, we knew each other a long time ago. I hope you're well. That's about it. And that sparks off a series of conversations. And then you mind your way into their head. Uh, and at that point, you know, they'll either engage or not. They usually do, uh, especially if it's personal, something like that. And then, uh, you know, you're off to the races and then you can take it from there. But that's, that's where I would start. I had a, or I have a client, a wonderful, wonderful person. When we start, first start working with them, it's just when they were beginning to emerge from the startup phase to the let's make money phase of their business. So what's one of the first things that most companies put in place? Lead generation funnels, uh, opt-in pages to special reports, white papers, on-demand webinars, those sort of things. One of the tactics that I learned many, many years ago, and I've seen different forms of it. Uh, Ryan Dice has an amazing example of it in the follow-up machine, which is the one I tend to go by, is when you send somebody their email with the link to download that thing they just opted into, you ask them for a favor. And the favor is you say, look, I, I take my commitment seriously. I want to make sure that I have fulfilled my promise to you and I've delivered what it is that I said I was going to deliver. Could you simply do a quick reply to this email and just type the words received or got it so that I know that I've closed the loop here? And this client and her other advisor both said, oh, we're not going to do that hokey, stupid marketing stuff. I said, it's not hokey, stupid marketing. Try it. Just try it. Yeah. Uh, if you, if, if, and if anybody comes to you and says, wow, why are you doing this stupid shit? I'll address them myself because I was that confident that it wasn't going to happen. But I was confident in what actually did happen. Uh, they, they, sent out this, uh, they sent out to their existing mailing list this uh, opportunity to download their new special report. People opted into it. And they were requested to do that favor of replying and typing received or got it. And some of those replies led to paid business. And they led to conversations like, oh, my goodness, it's been years. How the hell have you been? Oh, no, I think that's precisely what it is. I mean, I I, I love that example. And I think the follow-up is absolutely the critical part, whether it's the networking conversation. Because, listen, if you don't know anybody, you got to go to a networking thing just to get a note, uh, just to get somebody's contact information, business card, whatever you want to call it. But if you don't follow up that thing, it's just an absolute waste of time. Um, you know, you're not getting married after the first date type of thing. You know, you need to follow up with people. You need to stay in touch with people, all those sorts of things. Uh, and, and I think that's a great technique of, you know, just closing the loop after you're sending out a white paper. It does all those things. It's, it's great. Yeah, so you look for little things like that that create the loop. And another way that I position out with clients uh, that, that have similar reactions like, oh, I don't want to have all these people writing back to me or people are going to say that's dumb and you're using some marketing template that tells you to do that, which, by the way, no one I've worked with has ever gotten negative feedback on it. That's never happened. I can tell you that, number one. Uh, the other issue, the, another way I position that is I say, well, if you look at email deliverability statistics and the way the algorithms work, if you can show the, uh, if you can show the algorithms that there is an exchange of emails rather than emails going one way, that will help your marketing emails move out of the promotions tab and into the primary inbox. And they bite down on that. Very smart. And then, and then they come to me with their own ideas about how can we get people to actually reply to these emails we send? 
Very smart. So it's a matter. So it's a matter of looking at what they view as being their immediate interest. Sometimes they're not ready for strategic relationship building, but they are ready for higher open rates and higher click-throughs, and they are ready for less emails going into spam. I mean, who isn't? That's right. Name of the game: getting through. Just another way to communicate. Yeah. So. Building on this, uh, what are some steps our listeners here at Business Creators Radio can take to build their own strategic relationships? We've touched on a few things already, and as I advised our listeners, have your pad of paper and two pens out because we're getting some actionable stuff you can run with. Yeah, I, I love the pad of paper. I mean, I think you know one way to do it just you get a list of names that you want to stay in touch with, and you can download them from you know your Outlook or, or Gmail or whatever you want to do. But just get a list of your contacts. And just circle the ones you want to stay in touch with and think about the last time you stayed in touch with a lot of those people. I think it gets to be a little bit amorphous when you're looking at this large group of people, you know, thousands of people that may be in your contact book. But you realize that there's a bunch of, of you know, fertile soil there uh, that you haven't tilled for a long time. And I think if you just start with a list of 100 people, probably half of them you haven't spoken to, and just do a simple reach out to those people. It doesn't have to be anything big just like the, the bad networking event where someone's trying to sell you, you're not trying to sell anything. You're just trying to get in touch. Yeah. And I think uh, it, this is a big thing. I think people feel uncomfortable about it, but if you're not asking for anything, what's the uncomfortable part? Uh, you know, I think you're really just trying to reach out to another human being. You're saying you're thinking about and you have something, you met him at a conference or a dinner or something at some point, and you just want to stay in touch. There's nothing really offensive about that. You're just reaching out and saying, hey, I was thinking about you. I remember enjoying our time together. Hope you're doing well. We should catch up sometime. And then it's, it all starts from there. Uh, and then you have to be a little bit deliberate in your message going forward, your elevator pitch. But, you know, if you're having a cup of coffee or a Zoom coffee these days, you know, it comes across why you're doing it. People aren't dumb. Uh, but once you get it out there, then, you know, that's where one turns into two and two turns into four, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's where I would start. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you know, we're, we're talking about pretty, some pretty practical stuff here. So uh, something that I think concerns folks who want to get into relationship building, networking, whatever it is to grow their business, how can they do this without being creepy? <laughs> just another salesperson. That guy just won't leave me the hell alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is definitely one of those things you have to be mindful of, right? I, I, listen, you, I think we're all tuned in human beings and you can, you can figure out when someone just doesn't want to have anything to do with you too, right? But I think yeah. it starts with intention, right? I mean, if you're ultimately trying to help someone and whether it's helping them sell them an insurance policy or it's just helping that person in their business, I think good things generally come from that. Um, and if you don't go in that I'm trying to win the sale or close the deal, you know, there's a time and place for that. You know, that's really more selling or closing as opposed to marketing, how I think of this. Um, if you go in with the intention of really trying to help that person, then I don't see how that can really be creepy. I mean, if, if you know, th there's social constructs and other things, I'm not going to go call the CEO of all the largest companies. That doesn't seem appropriate for me. And I don't think I would do that anyway, much less could I get through, right? But I can reach out to other CEOs of companies my size or companies I work with or law firms or private equity firms that we deal with all the time. That's very natural. So part of it is staying on your level. And I spend a lot of, a lot of my book talking about this, but ultimately it starts with trying to be helpful, just really try and help people. And I think good things happen. Yeah. 
I think that I think that's a really good way of looking at things. Um, so here's another big debate. And we're just a little over halfway through this, and I know we're getting close to being done with the initial set, but I do have a couple follow-up items. And as I said, one of our listeners uh, who heard you were going to be on the show wanted me to get some thoughts from you. But here's where, and I, and I go back and forth on this with my own business coach all the time. I tell people that if you ever, 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 ever get a cold call from me, call the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department and request a welfare check on me. (laughs) <laughs> because something has gone wrong and I've probably gotten a hold of some really bad drugs. <laughs> that is how much I will not cold call somebody because just the idea, it's like, and what it comes down to is partially uh, me applying the golden rule rather than the platinum rule. Uh, and, Cause I really can't stand being on the telephone one second more than necessary. So I don't want people cold calling me. I'm not going to answer an unscheduled call. Uh, I'm going to reply in writing to an unscheduled call by asking them to schedule one. And, um, and it's just just not going to happen. But what I will do is I will use messenger on Facebook or LinkedIn. And I have a nice little two sentence way of opening a conversation about pretty much anything that actually has been so effective for me, I have to be careful how often I use it because my schedule's gotten overloaded based on it before. Uh, So there's a way of doing this. So for me, it's using Messenger and sending a quick message. I don't text either, but if I were somebody who texted, I would text that same message. Uh, Some people like cold calling. So in your estimated opinion as the subject matter expert on strategic relationship building, what to you is the best form of communication to use when connecting with somebody you haven't spoken with in a while? Sure. I'll, I'll, just like any question, I'll give you, a, a, it depends, but then I'll give you a real answer too. The, 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 where I typically go is I pick up where we left off, right? And there's varying degree, degrees of intimacy with different levels of relationship, right? I mean, if you're just meeting someone at a conference, you know, I'm probably going to send him an email as a follow-up because I feel like that's the safest way to go. But if you've, you know, been to dinner, met their family, you know, been, uh, spent several days with them, maybe worked on a project with them so you know them a little bit better, then, you know, you can scale up from there, ranging from shooting a text message. That's probably the next level of, of uh, kind of intimacy. And I know not everybody texts, so it doesn't always work that way. Maybe it's sending them a LinkedIn direct message or some other messenger type of thing all the way through to picking up a call. You know, it really depends on the level. I think the safest thing for me is a, is a customized email. You know, it's not a spam message. It's not saying how great my company is or how great I am, but it's just that basic, hey, I remember us spending time at a conference a couple of years ago. I meant to stay in touch and I didn't. Hope you're doing well. Let's get a coffee at some point. I mean, that's, that's about as vanilla as something I do probably 20 times a week. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. So let's get to our listener question. You, know, you and I have discussed how to uh, avoid being creepy, robotic, oh, that guy that just keeps messaging me and trying to connect and network. So one of the big gripes, and you're probably going to chuckle because you know what I'm talking about, is when people connect with somebody on LinkedIn and they've barely accepted the connection request and uh, next thing you know, there's this long message that's come in. The punchline is, sign up for a free strategy session with me. It's like, hey, just met. You want me to do a strategy session already? Uh, there, that's one. Another is when they ask you a question like, 
say, do you host a podcast? But meanwhile, the person didn't look at their pod, their LinkedIn profile where it says it's the number one job host of the business creators radio show. Like, yeah, I think I host a podcast. Yeah, you could have, could have started out a little bit stronger than that. So solve this LinkedIn thing for us because yeah. I think a lot of us recognize that LinkedIn is the premier networking tool for business where you don't have the cats, you don't have the politics and all the drama, but it's people who are in business coming together to do business. So there actually is a level of understanding that communication through that platform is going to be about business networking and making deals. So how do we be unsalesy, if that, for lack of a better phrase, on a platform that's specifically designed to foster business relationships? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think fundamentally, you know, you take it back to a human level, right? I mean, LinkedIn is a tool to connect human beings and, and it's a very good tool to do that. That said, human beings don't like to connect, connect with robots. They don't like to connect with people that are just kind of scattering their, their shotgun approach across the world. And, uh, you know, Adam, it's so funny you say that. I mean, someone literally emailed me or LinkedIn me today asking if I wanted to write a book about what I do for a living. It was kind of like, my God, man, you didn't even look at my profile. You didn't look at anything. So I, I guess where I start is, is personalization, right? If someone is hitting me up on LinkedIn, and I don't do it frequently, but if I do it with LinkedIn, I'm going to reach out and say, hey, Adam, I've seen your podcast. It looks really good. I particularly like the one you did with XYZ person. Um, it, it, it shows automatically that's not a robot. It's just not yeah. a copy paste from Eastern Europe coming in. Someone actually took the time to think about it and try to connect with me or you in that case. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm off to the races because at that point, I know that that person actually did a little bit of homework. It could be five minutes of homework, but they did at least enough homework to know that this may be something interesting to me. Now, the inverse of that though, I've, I don't know if you've seen this trend recently, Adam, I'd be curious to get your opinion. Someone connects with me on LinkedIn and they just, they just say, hey, how are you? How's COVID? You know, and I'm like, that doesn't help me either. I don't know why you're reaching out. There's somewhere in between of, yeah. you know, having a basic business writing philosophy of, hey, Larry, I saw you wrote a book or, hey, Larry, I see you run a management consulting company. I'm interested in talking to you because of X, right? And if they're trying to sell me too fast, I'll probably ignore it. You know, if they're trying to say, I'm interested in a job, I'm interested in learning, I've got an opportunity, you know, any of those things I'll probably engage. But again, it's doing that basic level of work on LinkedIn. And it's not a lot, but doing a basic level of work is what gets you through the, the first gate for me. Yeah. Uh you know, it's, it's funny this that we're having this conversation because a couple of weeks ago, I actually did have somebody message me on LinkedIn where their introduction was, hey, nice to connect. Uh, how's things with COVID? Yes. That was pretty much how they worded it. And I figured they'd probably send that to everybody. And yeah. Yeah, it's a simple message. And, and if you have a proven icebreaker and you can just fire that thing out just by changing their first name, that's you know, artfully vague, so you don't have to do too much research on them, but reduces the risk you're going to ask a question you're going to think of as stupid, then use it. So I replied, I said, COVID's great. Do you have any hydroxychloroquine? I could use some. <laughs> they thought it was funny and it kicked off a conversation and uh, we're currently talking about a business deal. Well, it, was, it sounds like that's someone who is engaging for the right reason, right? I think yeah. Sometimes it's just a tactic, but also, you know, one of the things, Adam, is understanding your business. You know, I'm 
squarely in the needle in a haystack business. You know, I'm working with hundred multi hundred million dollar companies for the most part. So it's it's pretty unlikely that someone's just gonna you know look me up on the internet or hit me up on LinkedIn and say, hey, I've got a deal for you. So I'm I'm tempering that already. But that said, if I was in a business that you know really anyone could use, you know, uh, uh, you know, real estate, uh, financial planning, you know, you can take a little bit more aggressive approach and reach out to more people. For mine, I have to be a little bit more targeted. Um, so yeah. I probably spend a little bit more time than others. But I think you have to gauge your business and see what your addressable market is and, and how customized you need to be. Yeah, and I think that there may also be, as I was listening to your response, I was uh, thinking about, and yes, I confess, I was listening to respond. I know what they say about that, but, uh, but you know, this is actually a podcast interview, so I, it's kind of my job to do that. And do it in a way where it actually runs smoothly and doesn't feel, feel like necessarily I'm just doing that. But anyway, uh, I, uh, I was just thinking that there may be some cases where, you, you know, you may have understand who your avatar is and what it is you're looking to attract. So for some connections, you have a, a more targeted message that, that's your icebreaker. And maybe for other people, uh, you have something a little bit more general because maybe you just don't quite know where they are. Or maybe you've connected, the, but you don't really see where the business relationship is. So you figure, hey, let's start a conversation. Let's just start general and see where it goes. That, that's another approach that people can take. Um, and I can tell you that, uh, you know, if, if I looked at somebody's uh, LinkedIn profile and maybe I also checked them out on another platform like Facebook or Instagram or something, and I saw they were kind of a smart ass, I might actually uh, write something like, hey, man, how's COVID? Right. Because, well, yeah. because, because, because they would, they would see, oh, this, oh, oh, this guy wants to play, huh? All right, well, challenge accepted. And then we can have some fun with it. No, I, I hear you. I mean, it's just like you said, you know, you call the cops if, if you ever caught you cold calling. I mean, if someone's effectively cold LinkedIn-ing me, I'm not sure what you call that. Yeah. It's the same thing as cold calling, right? Just because they, I don't know, and people have different philosophies. You probably have a very well articulated one, Adam, but given the nature of my business, I'm pretty uh, easy, you know, as far as accepting invitations on LinkedIn, you know, because I never know if it's going to be a new business opportunity you know, I, as an entrepreneur, more people is better. I just kind of want to learn who's out there. So I, I'm fairly indiscriminate because I don't know who's going to be reaching out. And some, I know there are people on both sides of that spectrum. I'm probably on the more liberal side of that spectrum. Um, but, hey. you know, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just saying, yeah, okay, go ahead. Yeah, so I guess my point is, though, if someone just who I don't really know hits me up on LinkedIn and then starts trying to sell me all of a sudden, that's the same thing as cold calling as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, 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 I get it. So, you know, what I also would develop upon that is if you're the one doing a lot of outreach uh, to build your connections list, then I would say, if, you know, for your outgoing work, try and be a little more intentional about it. And uh, yeah, so, so in that case, then yeah, you have an idea of who your avatar is, what you're looking to attract, what type of business you're looking to do. So you seek out people who can assist you in that area but sometimes you may have some incoming connection requests where you know you're not really sure where this is going but they seem like they could be a good connection so you go ahead and accept yep i agree with that and, there, and there's no reason not to have a conversation with those people it might not be the same conversation and if you and if you can only start five today they may not be one of the ones you put at the top of the list but 
yeah, that, that could be a place you could go with that. I might agree with you entirely. Yeah. Okay. So, so now we've uh, got an idea of LinkedIn. I want to go a little bit further with this idea of opening a conversation uh, textually, uh, T-E-X-T-U-A-L-L-Y. And so my, and so my next, um, and so my next uh, question is, you know, does size matter? <laughs> so let me, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me drill that down a little bit further. Mm -hmm. Um, I sometimes get messages that are like really, really, really long. And the moment I see them and I realize I'm going to have to scroll and scroll and scroll, it's like getting a long email. I'm going to say, oh, I'll get to that later. And then I don't. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, I think it does. Uh, but I think more than anything, quality matters and, you know, probably the intention matters. You know, as soon as I feel like I'm being spammed, then I tune out, right? If it, if it looks yeah. like it's a copy paste job and they've done it a thousand times that day, I'm out. You know, yeah. It has nothing to do with me. But if someone takes the, the time to write Shakespearean verse about my life and my business, I'm probably going to read the damn thing to the end. It's just because I think it's funny or good or thoughtful or something like that. And I'm not welcoming a bunch of those on my LinkedIn. Um, right. But, but you, you get the idea is you know, again, I want, it's a, it's a basic human need, right? I mean, I want to be important. <laughs> I want someone to be thinking about me. You know, I want, I want to be heard. Like all those sorts of things are pretty human instincts. And if they're reaching out to me on a human level and it happens to be two pages long and it's funny and insightful, I'm going to read the damn thing. But if it's one, you know, they're just changing my name and the rest of it's just a bunch of spam garbage, I'm not going to read it. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm with, I'm with you on on that i mean and you know to your point you, you can tell you, oh, you really you really get an idea pretty quickly if that's what they're doing i mean even without being too 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 scientific about it you can find a way to make that message at least interest you know at least sound marginally interesting or at least embrace the tactics and i cover some of these in my book groundhog day is an event not a business strategy at www.thegroundhogbook.com on the on the practice of being artfully vague and yeah. making it feel like it's a bespoke message for the other person even if it is your copy paste message so if your copy paste message is hi larry how are you do you have a podcast well goodness gracious i mean uh if that's not copy pasted i mean i can go I mean, I could, uh, you know, let's see, Larry Perkins, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. SierraConstellation.com. Yeah. Uh, I can find out within about 30 seconds the likelihood you have a podcast. No, I, I, may, I may miss something, but in 30 seconds, I can come up with an educated guess on that one. Yeah, and that's why it's just being lazy, right? You're not putting in yeah. the basic time, just like any relationship, right? If you don't put in the time, it's not going to be worth a damn. And if you're not even taking the time to, to look up why you're reaching out to somebody, it's just, you know, just a pure... Uh, uh, kind of canned message uh, you're just not going to get very far with that or i said another way it's going to be very low yield you're going to have to send a million of them out to get one percent in which yeah. isn't how my business works oh yeah yeah and I, and I think for a lot of people that's not how their business works either because a they personally if they're using their time something remotely resembling wisely they're not going to be just throwing a bunch of pasta at the wall to see what sticks 
And number two, and this is even more important, if they're hiring somebody to log into their social media for them and fire off the conversation starters just so they don't have to copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste just to get it going, then uh, they're going to be measuring the impact of that person's work for return on investment. And if that person working on their behalf is just firing out a bunch of stuff, well, I can pretty much guarantee that digital marketing firm is going to have a very short retainer with them. You know, I think you got it right. And, and you can obviously tell when it's a lead gen person or somebody else doing it. Um, and especially with the title, like many of your listeners with CEO, founder, you, you're on a lot of lists just by virtue of your title. You may not be otherwise. So yeah. you have to be mindful of that. I don't know how many times a day I get pitched on, uh, you know, things like, lead generation, web app development, you know, all sorts of things like that. And it's kind of like, guys, how many, how many web pages do I need? How many other things do you need? But I get them all the time. It's pretty wild. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, so I take it that you're not a huge fan of LinkedIn scraping. Uh, you know, it is, a, you know, in a time and place, right. I think if you do it thoughtfully and smartly, I think it works, but just indiscriminately, I don't think I, I don't, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. I guess you got that right. Okay, so let me make sure I, we, we understand the terms. Um, by LinkedIn scraping, I'm referring to when people use scrapers to gather up a bunch of email addresses and add them to marketing lists. Yeah, I, I think it could be a time and place for the right industry, right? I mean, if you're talking about something that's blasting out to everyone, I think scraping makes a ton of sense. If you're doing something a little bit more targeted or bespoke, kind of like what you're doing, kind of like what I'm doing, yeah, uh, I don't think it makes sense at all. And I think, honestly, probably most of your listeners, I doubt it really makes sense. Yeah, yeah, the, re yeah the reason I bring that up, Larry, is because um, that's a very, very common topic of gripe sessions on social media, other social media platforms is all these people that scrape my LinkedIn and add me to their list. See, here's, um, here's what I have going on. I have, uh, for all my social media platforms, I use my web hosting to set up a unique alias that I use as my login address for each of my social media platforms. It's in a way sort of named after that social media platform that redirects to, um, I can redirect it to my actual email address, or if I have a helper, I can redirect it to them for the time that they're helping me or something like that. So that, uh, so that I can see what e what correspondence I'm getting, and I can get notifications of new messages and comments and things like that. Uh, but when I see that um, I have received uh, a marketing email, attention to AdamHLI at createyourbusiness.today, I know they scraped me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Because they just busted themselves. The only thing I use AdamHLI at createyourbusiness.today for is to log into LinkedIn. It does no other function in my business. That's smart. No, yeah. I, I, uh, my parents did the same thing with me because, you know, I go by Larry, but my name is Lawrence. Yeah. So I, I call it my telemarketer screen. You know, whenever anyone calls and asks for Lawrence Perkins, I know they don't actually know me. So it's the same thing. It's just a LinkedIn scraping mechanism verbally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exa ex exactly. So uh, I think what you know, you know, people should be aware of is in some cases, uh, your target audience will actually have fail safes. So they can tell if that allegedly personal message you're sending to them is really personal. And as far as um, as far as, uh, you know, scraping emails and sending broadcasts out to them, uh, here, here's my thoughts on it. Uh, according to CanSpam, you can 
do that. As long as the emails you're sending contain certain elements, and I guarantee that 99 out of 100% people wouldn't even know where to look to find those elements, even though it's spelled out in the can spam act. Uh, then you get into Castle. Then you get into GDPR, where you really shouldn't be doing that at all. So, on the other hand, I could see if you are scraping emails off of LinkedIn, but then you're using them to send actual personal emails. I mean, I would check to. I mean, if I mean, if I, you know, if I show up on a list and somebody says Adam HLI at createyourbusiness.today, if I really wanted, if they really wanted to connect with me, they may try and do uh, the usual search engine marketing tricks to find out what my real e email address is and try and put it in one that's more like mine. Yeah, and, and I don't know about you, Adam, but there, there's a certain amount. Of, someone's going to spend that much time trying to get to me because that's not something that you can outsource, right? If someone, or not very efficiently, at least. Well, yeah, that, that's what I mean. You're not doing yeah. that on the mass market. Um, you're doing it. You're, I mean, I, I do that in your case because I really want to connect with you. Yeah, and there's kind of, I respect the, I respect the hustle and on some of that, right? I mean, that's not yeah. something you're going to do. You have a real reason you want to get in touch with me. I want to hear that reason. If you go through all that effort and then send the same BS email that you're going to send to a thousand other people, I don't like your business model because you just spent way too much time getting to one person. Uh, so yeah, I'm not sure that's worth it. But your it, ROI it, is so far upside down oh, yeah, at that point. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I mean, and I know some people that do the the scrape load and the scrape load and blast method is really it's just a form of throwing pasta to the wall and see what sticks. Their business model allows for some seepage and a few nasty responses because they've figured it out well enough that the quality of their messaging will get them more than enough, more than enough positive, valuable response to offset it. So I recognize that too. Yeah, I think that's right. Again, right, right tool for the right job, probably not the right tool for my job. Exactly. So, um, Larry, you know, we're actually right near the top of the hour. Time really flies. And uh, while I encourage you to don't be a stranger, because that is the copy of your book, and uh, we may have you on again at some time in the future. I know that our listeners are going to be excited about this. I'm looking forward to the comments on it and things like that. Uh, at this point, we are actually near the end of our time. So for anybody who really wants to master this art of strategic relationship building and get some real help with that from somebody who knows what they're doing. Uh, they're leaning in right now. They're thinking, I'd like to connect with that Larry Perkins. How does that work? And what do they have to look forward to once they do? What do you have for them? No, I appreciate it. Well, we do have a website just for the book and it has all our appearances and whatnot and speaking events on there. It's don'tbeastrangerbook.com. Uh, and then LinkedIn, as we've talked about here, is probably my most active social media platform. Um, so if you hit me up on LinkedIn, we, we put a fair amount of content and kind of bite-sized pieces about uh, the book and the company and everything around that. So I think there's some decent content out there. And uh, Larry Perkins is me on LinkedIn, Sierra Constellation Partners, or uh, Don't Be a Stranger Book. Okay, great. Well, um, Larry Perkins, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor, and believe me, an education. I appreciate that, and thanks for having me. I love your show. Keep doing it. You, you bet, absolutely. For everybody listening, uh, I trust you've enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and our upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care. <laughs>